This is the Omnia Institute's In Context. I'm Vince Eisner. Since the start of his presidential campaign, Donald Trump has threatened to build what he calls a great wall between the U.S. and Mexico. As president, he has succeeded only in building discord and controversy. But in so doing, we have seen a significant escalation of racial threats, ethnic divisions, and increased incidents of roundups and deportations. Trump's rescinding of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, has only created a flashpoint fueled both by anger and misinformation. The truth is, the immigration crisis is ultimately a human crisis, and nobody knows that better than my guest, activist and author Peg Bowden. Her book, A Land of Hard Edges, Serving the Front Lines of the Border, is a series of true stories and personal reflections. She's a retired nurse who volunteers at a migrant shelter on the Mexican border. She lives in the Arizona borderlands, a sort of third country with one foot in Mexico and the other in the United States. She joined a group called the Samaritans who travel weekly to a shelter known as El Comador, providing clothing, medical supplies, and counsel to migrants seeking a new life. Peg writes stories that help us to understand the complexities of human migration. Peg, it's so good to have you with us. Tell me, when and how did you begin this journey? Quite by accident, I found out about a group called the Samaritans uh, who do desert searches and really respond to the crisis in the desert. So I began going on desert searches. I began going down to Mexico to an aid station. And because I'm a nurse, the aid station does medical care and first aid mainly. I just, I fell in love with the people that I was serving. I would serve breakfast, hand out clothes, tend their wounds, and listen to their stories. Um, I was so moved by the stories, I decided to write a book. Actually, I was writing a blog about it all and was encouraged to write a book. So how have things changed since Trump became president? Since Trump was elected, things have changed uh, at the, the Comedor. Comedor means dining room. I guess what's different is most of the people, at least half or more, have lived in the United States most of their lives. In other words, they were not migrants coming up from Guatemala, El Salvador, southern Mexico. I met a man from Yonkers, New York. It turns out he's a sous chef in a fancy restaurant, and they did a sweep of his restaurant. Uh, and uh, the next thing he knew, he was in Mexico. Been here since he was a baby. Has an excellent job. He was in junior college, learning uh, culinary arts. Parents are there, family there. Um, this this guy was in shock. I would say he was in his late twenties. He'd been and he was taken from Yonkers. He was taken to a detention center in um, Arizona. He spent a month in prison here uh, in uh, Arizona in one of the detention centers. And the Homeland Security confiscated his cell phone, his ID, his money, his clothes. He didn't get any of that back. So, and then they just dumped him into Nogales. So he had no ID, no money, no nothing. Uh, and, and that is, is a common story. I asked this guy if he was a DACA uh, student uh, and he said, 
No, he, he said, uh, he said, I had a good job. <laughs> I was making good money. I have skills. He says, I've never broken the license. I've never gotten a speeding ticket. No DUIs, none of that. What has happened that this seems to be the new reality? I think the racism is more overt right now. I mean, I live in Arizona. Arizona is a red state. A lot of people don't like people of color, particularly Latinos in Arizona. That's just a, a fact. Mm -hmm. And so they're more out there. There are more uh, militia men in the deserts. Uh, many of my Samaritan colleagues have had encounters with you know, young men and, and older men in camouflage outfits, marching around the desert, claiming um, ISIS is about to uh, climb the wall and invade our desert, and, you know, just full of these, you know, fantastic stories that have no basis in reality. The Samaritans go, go out on desert searches almost every day of the week. Uh, they have never felt threatened. The only time they felt threatened are by border patrol agents or the militia. They have never felt threatened by a lost uh, migrant or even a group of, of migrants. Oh, I'm a grandmother. I, I walk down to Mexico every week with a group. I know the peddlers that I meet along the way. I know the newspaper guys. I know the people who are trying to sell me popsicles. Then I get to the Commodore and there's 50 or 60 young men there. I probably hear more gracias thank yous in mexico and god bless yous in mexico than i ever do in the united states from anyone they're they're a gracious people uh, many of the migrants are ashamed that they're asking for help particularly the ones from the u.s who have been picked up and have really never had to ask for anything in their lives and now they're stripped of everything there are a large larger number now from central america meaning uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. They are fleeing um, poverty. They're fleeing violence in their communities. They're fleeing corruption. Many of them have been, had, had good jobs, but they were being extorted for large amounts of money by mafias. Uh, their families feel threatened. They feel they have no other option. There's no doubt that our system is broken, but can you tell us how broken it is? I don't know a lot about that system other than it costs a lot of money. You've got to have connections and it can be 10 to 15 years uh, before you uh, are issued a visa to enter our country. It's just about impossible unless you're, you know, a, a rocket scientist or a highly skilled physician. For some reason, those folks seem to be able to fast track getting into our country. You know, there are a lot of people out there who would just say that the wall is a simple answer to a complex problem. It's a simple answer, but it's not an answer that is, is, is going to work. I mean, first of all, we already have 700 miles of wall and, uh, uh, and migrants are, are still, you know, coming to our country. They're going around the wall, under the wall, over the wall. Um, yeah, the wall is probably the biggest waste of taxpayers' money in my lifetime. <laughs> and it's not necessarily doing anything except that more people are dying. Why is that? Uh, the reason the, the death toll is higher than it has been in the past is the wall has forced people to cross into the desert at more remote places. 
um, so so there's a higher likelihood they're going to get lost or they're going to die. So we built a wall that kills poor people. That's the way I that's the way I see it. We built a wall to keep out poor people. Uh, we are a country that are uh, we're afraid. I don't know what the fear is about, but we have a fear of people of color. And I mean, I could you know, go into you know what's going on with African Americans and the police, and you now we've got these brown, lovely people from our neighbors to the south. Um, in some ways, I think it's like you know our um, skewed version of genocide you know it's not like we're doing genocide like uh, you know during the holocaust etc but we built a wall that forces people to go in remote parts of the desert whereas there is a high likelihood they will die or we pick up people in this country who are undocumented and we ship them back into the hellhole they came from, which is Central America and Southern uh, Mexico, where they can't survive, and there's a good chance they're gonna die. You know, that sounds like genocide. You know, I can't help but wonder, what is the wall telling the world about the United States? This is what the wall says. It says, we're better than you. We don't want you. Uh, stay out of our gated community. We're white supremacists, you know. We're a white community. We are a white country. You threaten us, so stay out. I mean, it's a very negative image to me, and I, uh, I guess I have some strong feelings about it. What are some of the solutions from your perspective? First of all, we need to fast track all those DACA students so they don't have to fear getting kicked out of the country. Uh, so we, and by that, I mean they need a green card and they need a fast track towards citizenship if that is indeed what they want. With the 11 million, I think we need to issue work visas uh, and also an easier track towards citizenship if that's indeed what they want. But I've met a lot of undocumented people who don't want to give up their Mexican citizenship. They love their village. They cannot survive there now, but they would like to travel safely back and forth where they don't risk their life in our desert. They would like to work here in our orchards and a work visa would accomplish that. I also think we need to decriminalize uh, illicit drugs. Um, I uh, am a proponent of pouring the money into rehabilitation, detox centers, whatever it takes for the addiction problems of our country, because we're the ones, we're the customer here. It's a business arrangement that's illegal. Perhaps if it was legal, um, I think the a lot of the crime element would uh, disappear. And that illustrates the fact that there are no simple answers and that we have a shared responsibility to address this crisis. Thank you so much, Peg, for taking time to be with us today. Omnia is going to the wall on November 1st through the 4th, and we want to invite you to go with us. There you're going to experience firsthand what Peg has been talking about today. In fact, you'll meet Peg and others, including migrants who have been deported. Some of those who may very well have been your own neighbors at one time. Find out more on our website, omnialeadership.org.
Thanks for being with us. I'm Vince Eisner for In Context.